Welcome to this week's episode of The Smarketing Show. We're really happy to have Armand Brevig with us today, a procurement and sales leader who helps B2B salespeople deal more effectively with procurement departments. He's also a karate enthusiast, and that might come in handy as well as we're dealing with procurement people. Anyway, welcome to the show, Armand. We're pleased to have you with us. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's, it's such an honor to be on the show. Awesome. Hey, it's good to have somebody from Nottingham finally on the show here. We've been trying, and uh, thank you for responding. Hey, I, you know, Armand, you and I connected through LinkedIn, and I, 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 you know, you as a seasoned procurement guy, you flipped around the desk now, and you're coaching salespeople to sell the procurement. And a lot of our audiences, we talked about off camera, you know, are into the technology space, and you've actually got experience procuring for organizations, you know, buying professional services, IT services. And I'm curious, you know, as we talk today, I think as a seller, often we think of procurement as, you know, um, you know, we have different words to describe procurement at times, but not not always the friendliest. And they try to, you know, commoditize everything in RFP. But uh, anyway, we'll get into that today because I, I, I think you've got some really good ideas to unlock that perception and improve win rates, uh, which is a you know, if you're listening or watching today, what we're going to try and do. So, Melissa, what was the first question you're going to ask Armand there? Well, you know, I think if you're a B2B salesperson listening, you might be thinking procurement. That seems like a lengthy and painful process. However, Armand's going to help us approach that differently, I hope, Armand. Um, so why should salespeople care about their prospects, procurement departments, and, and why can't we just avoid them? Basically, because... Something has happened over the past two decades uh, when it comes to procurement. Procurement uh, has, has become more and more empowered by um, senior management within, within large and mid-sized companies. Uh, and therefore, they um, also get involved in more and more spend areas that they perhaps before what wasn't so involved in or not or couldn't touch at all. Um, so because of that, um, procurement is now... Um, part of the decision-making unit. And because they're part of the decision-making unit, it, it, it becomes um, more difficult and riskier to, to actually avoid them. Um, so a much, much better approach then is to um, actually develop a, a, a strategy, a target the strategy for how you as a salesperson are going to deal with procurement. Um, because if you don't have that targeted strategy, then essentially you are not responding to an environment that's, that's slowly been changing over time and continues to change. And there's no sign of that, of that trend lessening, quite, quite the opposite, uh, particularly given the uh, economic hardship that, that, that a lot of companies are feeling at the moment. Um, there's a tendency to empower procurement even more. So if you, if you ignore that as a sales person, it's it's a little bit like the analogy with 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 the boiling frog. You, you know, you take a frog, put it in a pot of cold water. You slowly heat that water up, and you expect the frog to jump out. But of course, the frog doesn't jump out because it doesn't realize that the environment is changing very slowly. And something similar to that is is definitely something that you you'd want to avoid as a salesperson. And and that is essentially why it's important to. Uh, take an interest in uh, in procurement from a sales perspective. So Brevig is a, okay. So I'm the I'm the sales DNA guy on the uh, program here. So you know we would coach a lot of times 
salespeople to call or at least enter an account or try and secure relationships above procurement, right? Because, you know, we want to influence the deal. We want to get the key decision makers, you know, understand their business objectives, link our solution to that, and then skew the criteria, the buying criteria, so the procurement really has no option other than to go with us. I mean, in, in layman terms. So as you say, avoiding procurement, you know, I'm curious, a lot of sales strategies, you know, coach, what I said, go high, then come down to procurement as opposed to start a procurement and then try and, you know, foster a relationship there. Do you have any comments on that? Go high first, then down to procurement or procurement up kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. Um, it, it, it's, it's not bad advice at all, actually. It, and, and I would say in many situations th that makes that makes perfect sense. So um, it, it, you know, the timing of, of, of when you interact with procurement, um, it, I mean, if, if what you sell actually is something that, that lends itself to, um, to procurement, you know, to, to procurement's agenda in the sense that it will help procurement perform their, their task better, then it would make sense to sort of lead with, or at least at least approach procurement at the same time that you would approach the economic buyer or whatever stakeholder you want to pursue, uh, because then procurement would be particularly interested in talking to you. Um, if on the other hand, you're talking about something that does not necessarily uh, align very closely to procurement's agenda. And when I say that, I mean something that uh, can take costs out of the system. I'm not necessarily talking about lower price, but something that can take costs out of the system or something that can simplify the supply chain or, cons or help consolidate the, the supplier base. If that's the case, um, then procurement can actually become your ally and then it makes sense to actually reach out to them at the same time. Uh, but it, it, whatever benefits your, your, your product or service then, then uh, delivers that's of relevance to procurement must be tangible in terms of, uh, sort of a dollar amount, so a dollar amount that procurement can claim as being a benefit that they have helped deliver into the organization. Now, if it's, more, if it's not possible to express your, you know, the benefit that you deliver in that, in that tangible dollar amount, then I would definitely say, as, as, as you said there, you know, you, 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 you go to the economic buyer first, and then later you ask for an introduction to procurement. But what I think many salespeople don't do, they don't ask for that introduction. Mm -hmm. so, so at some point, you do need to ask for that introduction. Mm -hmm. uh, it, doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be the first thing that you do. Um, but um, if you don't do it, then you will, you will most likely find that, that uh, uh, procurement will put more spanners in the wheel than otherwise would have been the case. And you, you will have a longer sales cycle, for example. One uh, piggyback question. So you mentioned to try and link the, in layman terms, quantify the business impact, if possible, that would benefit procurement. Mm -hmm. What have you found is kind of the common compensation model for procurement these days? Are they bonused by savings is it a salary based normal thing and we just hope that they you know chisel away at the cost uh, capital or operating like how are they paid in short procurement people do get bonuses but it's it's nothing comparable in size to the uh, commissions that salespeople get okay so their so their incentive is um it's 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 not so much the bonus because 
if 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 they do really really well, and this is at the extreme end of bonuses, they you know they they could get twenty percent. Mm. More okay. likely, it's like ten percent. You know, okay. something like that. I just I, I asked because when I was on contract uh, as a consultant for Ingram Micro, a large tech distributor in North America and globally, actually, um, I was hired by GE to go in and coach all of their procurement department how to negotiate against salespeople. And it's really, you know, because they in their helmet, they think like a buyer. And, and I was in saying, OK, here's how they form on the other line of the scrimmage. And really, you're doing a great job of that. I think coaching salespeople, the mindset the priorities, uh, you know, what a procurement person thinks like. And that's why I asked, sorry, about the compensation. You know, the the ugly yeah. thing for us as sellers is that thing you guys came up with called an RFP. You ever heard of that one? <laughs> Talk about a karate chop for uh, salespeople. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be interested in your coaching on RFPs in general. And, and for those of us that have, you know, been served up an RFP, great, huge opportunity. But it almost seems like the procurement team spent time strategizing how to commoditize line item everything, really, to come up with an uncommon denominator called, you know, the cost. And I'd be curious as to your coaching on how salespeople should position themselves to influence the criteria, uh, really win the deal. Yeah, I mean, the thing with 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 RFPs is that um, it's of course a lot easier to influence the requirement if you get in there before the RFP is actually sent out. Mm. So if you can, um, and I mean, there, there there are different ways of doing that. It can be you know part of your ordinary sales outreach. You may um, choose to um, you know uh, lead with 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 a uh, with a with a service a product that flies under the RFP radar. Because if you if you have something that you can sell, whether it's a, an initial feasibility study or whatever it is, that's less than a, about fifty thousand dollars US, you're not gonna you're not gonna be faced with an RFP uh, because it, it's simply not worth the time and effort of a large company to to run that whole expensive and time consuming. I mean, it's, it seems it looks time consuming from the salesperson's view, and it is. But it's equally time consuming from the from the buying organization's point of view to run these processes. So um, one strategy or one part of uh, part of, of a strategy could be to to get in there with a with an offer that doesn't attract an RFP. And then when the follow on project comes, of course, you are in a, in a good position to then um, influence the requirement and, and, and perhaps gain some information about the organization that that your competitors wouldn't necessarily have. But. I think it's absolutely key to um, to have a strategy for how you're going to improve your RFP win rates because because when procurement sends out RFPs, it it may look like it's just something they do and it's just you know uh, part of a process, but which it is, but it's also part of a strategy in many cases, particularly if you're talking about more sophisticated procurement organizations. So it, it is part of their overall sourcing strategies. They've already decided how are they going to use RFPs to manage a particular category of spend. Mm. Um, so it stands to reason that salespeople or sales teams also need a strategy for how they're going to uh, win as much business as possible through that route uh, and how they are going to uh, dramatically increase the, the the win rate and make the whole game worthwhile 
So, so you, I agree with uh, get in early, try and influence, or better yet, understand you know the environment. And I liked your point about understanding the threshold of an RFP value. So, in a large account, you know, you mentioned fifty thousand US for a feasibility study. You know, in smaller accounts, it may be twenty five thousand or ten thousand or whatever. But I think that's an important point you mentioned there. What if you're not, let's say, the incumbent that typically has the inside lane and gets the right of access to the needs analysis or whatever you want to call it. And you're served the RFP that's already been cooked by a competitor that's the incumbent and you're trying to be disruptive. May I ask like what you've seen as tactics that maybe have proved successful if you haven't had the chance to shape the RFP? The last thing a procurement team wants to do is to reissue an RFP. Mm. It's seen as embarrassing and a lot of questions are going to be asked internally in the organization, but that's exactly what you want to try to get them to do if, mm-hmm. if, 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 if you are in that situation that you described there. Mm-hmm. Um, it really hinges on whether you can convince them that they'll miss something. So uh, miss something that's so fundamental and serious that if they go ahead with that RFP, it would be wasted effort anyway. Mm-hmm. Then, then you might have an uh, 11th hour uh, opportunity to, to uh, influence the new RFP that's, that's that sent out. Now, of course, uh, procurement people are very sensitive towards being uh, about being influenced by vendors because there can be quite some skepticism uh, from salespeople towards procurement people, but it goes the other way as well. Mm. So... So, oh really? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it is it, it is bizarre in a way because you know a, a business needs both to to really to really work. But in, I, I guess that's how it's, how it's evolved over time. Um, so if you as a salesperson can get the economic buyer to make the point to procurement that you know the way that this this RFP is uh, is put together. Is, is flawed and you know could we reissue it that would be even more powerful but then that of course requires you to have that relationship uh, uh, with the with the economic buyer but but I mean regardless of whether you can do that or not the the key is to convince procurement that it would be an utter waste of time to run that process you you, you you've got some uh, a better information uh, that they need in order to to run a new and improved RFP if you will you know, on the sales side, we spend a lot of time, well, we, you know, we're a sales training company. You, you yourself are, are coaching sales teams to sell to procurement. Like what type of training does a procurement person get to prepare themselves for the sales uh, entity, uh, we'll call it? You know what I mean? Like uh, one time I was on a sales call with a sales rep and, you know, we came out of the call and the rep said, uh, oh, the call went great, but I was observing really what the guy on the other side of the desk, the procurement guy was doing. And I looked over his shoulder. I said to the rep after, did you see what the guy had on his bookshelf? And it was like negotiating one, negotiating two, mm-hmm. and then masterclass negotiating. Like he had the binders right behind his yeah. shoulder. Yeah. And this, this guy had just taken the rep for a ride anyway. The rep had no idea, but I'm just, I think sometimes as salespeople, we underestimate the training and strategy that you reference on the procurement side, the same way as the sales team would strategize and map out and do all those things. Is that fair to say that they're being trained as well uh, for that line of scrimmage, as I call it? You know, that is uh, that is extremely fair to say. I mean, I, I have worked for a leading global pharmaceutical company for for many years, 
I have never been as well, uh, received as much training as I did as a procurement professional there. Um, so uh, one thing that procurement people, one thing that, one way that they perceive themselves, sort of their raison d'etre is really to negotiate. So that is, that, is, that is one thing they take a lot of pride in. So they will know all the negotiation tactics and techniques and, 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 and how to strategize around that. Um, um, and I think it's also worth pointing out that, um, you know, if you look at sort of formal graduate uh, programs, they actually exist within the procurement space. I do not believe they exist within the sales space. Mm or in very few universities. So, you know, what's funny, sorry, is, is in my experience, um, I would argue that less than 5% of business-to-business so-called sales professionals have had any negotiating training whatsoever, and yet 80% of them typically have some variable component to their compensation that's driven by profit, called gross profit, et cetera. And so I just, you know, having worked in an organization that I, I, I was working with procurement people down a couple of flights, you'd work with the salespeople. I think it's really naive of salespeople not to think that people in your previous position are being schooled on really how to protect the interests of their, their company, their employer. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, you use a 4%, I think it was Melissa, success rate um, on RFPs, Armand. Like, why is it so low? Well, I mean, it's, it's an average. So there are lots of comp- companies that uh, get even lower success rates and uh, oh, companies no. that get <laughs> a lot higher success rates. So it, it's not, it, it's very unevenly distributed. Uh, uh, and I'm saying this sort of from, from a- anecdotal evidence. Uh, I haven't actually seen any, any studies of, of, of how it's distributed, but that's yeah. my experience. That's what I see. Um, I think it's so low because most salespeople uh, don't have a strategy for how to actually deal with these RFPs. So, so what they do, you know, they they get an they, they get a, an invitation to respond to an RFP. Uh, they think that's a good fit. They and and, and they respond to basically uh, any RFP. Yeah, that that, that that they could reasonably respond to. Yeah, and if you if you do that, um, then 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 you're not going to be particularly successful. You could argue that perhaps there is a 10% chance of winning because, because um, very few procurement organizations would put more than 10 vendors through, a, uh, uh, through the process. But we all know it also depends who's been able to influence this and, 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 uh, and things like that. So, um, uh, yeah, so the, the reason why the percentage is so low, I think, if I were to point it, pin it down to one single thing, it would be lack of strategy. It, it is hard on the sales side, I'll tell you, because it's pretty much a, a bunch of boxes. You got to fill in your variables. There's a little bit of qualitative stuff on why your company history, you know, but as far as uh, delivering a value proposition or differentiation, I found the RFPs we've done, it's very vanilla and, uh, you know, intentionally set up that way. So I, I like what you've said today about, you know, really what's around the RFP uh, the economic stakeholder, you know, engaging really what I think you too would coach and we coach is, you know, high, wide and deep in the organization, you know, get in there before the RFP. Uh, sorry, Melissa, you're going to ask a question. Yeah, I was, I, you know, you spoke a lot about a strategy. So as we wrap up today, what, what would you give a, a sales rep 
you know, given what, what three ways to engage a procurement person, given their growing power and influence, right? Like, what are those three three things that they could add to their strategy. Give us the silver bullets. Exactly, um, exactly. So I'm matter. listening, I'm thinking, okay, I gotta have a strategy, but what are those top three things that I maybe should do if I'm a B2B salesperson? Well, in in, in terms of, of engaging with procurement, I think I, I think that, yeah, I think there are three things that I can think of that, that, that you definitely need to consider. So um, one of them we've already, we already touched on and that's, that is the timing of it. Mm. When do you actually reach out? And, and, and as I mentioned before, it really depends on whose agenda your, your offering is, 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 is most closely connected with. Um, the second thing is, um, is insights about procurement. I mean, um, I, th- I think it's, it's no different from any other stakeholder. The more you know about them, the more likely you are to be able to influence them. So, 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 so you need to understand things like what are the paradigms that they believe in in procurement? You know, what, 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 what makes them take, um, you know, how are they, uh, you know, how are they rewarded? Like we touched a little bit, a bit upon with the bonuses, but that, there's more to that piece as well. Uh, and then I would say the third thing to be very mindful of in terms of engaging with procurement is uh, flexibility. So, mm-hmm. um, I mentioned at the very beginning of our of our conversation that that that, that procurement has been and, and is on this journey to become to become more and more empowered, so to speak, uh, and they they have gone uh, from being this very old school transactional function to becoming uh, much more of a strategic. Um, uh, business partner, if you will, but those are just two extreme ends of the spectrum. Uh, most uh, uh, different procurement teams are at different uh, points in that journey. So you, so you also need to understand that you can't treat in terms of the way you engage with them. Uh, there are conversations that you can have with a um, truly strategic procurement team, which you cannot have with a with an old school. Uh, transactional procurement team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. Things are advancing. I mean, technology is giving visibility, giving accountability, all kinds of great things for procurement. Um, you know, the, so the, the the big mistake too I see salespeople make is they bank too much on a personal relationship and not a business relationship. You you know what I'm saying there? Like we've done business with XYZ for years and I know these guys. And I think your point today about the rising influence, we'll call it, uh, or power of procurement, I think is very valid. And and we're seeing it, you know, the decision makers, we'll call it above the procurement rung are often trying to separate themselves from the decision because they don't want to, you know, create a rat's nest for their procurement people by influencing or steering. And I, I think procurement's a, uh, a little bit of a misunderstood entity uh, by a lot of salespeople and really appreciate you coming in today and shedding some light on how that department works and how to unlock that key today. Yeah. Great insights, Armand. Thank you. So as we wrap up today, Armand, if someone wants to reach out to you for some coaching, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn, and I am extremely easy to find because I'm the only uh, Armand Brevik on on LinkedIn. <laughs> so all you have to all you have to do is be able to remember my name; you'll be able to find me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us today, and we look forward to seeing everyone again next week on this marketing show.
Good job today, buddy. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of This Marketing Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, share, and subscribe to get the latest B2B insights to help you market and sell to win. 